Today we uh, continue our series that we started last week. I want to do a quick review of where we're at. I said last week was a bridge message, bridging between the series we did in January about reaching one to now where we're going to learn how to go deeper with God. But let me do a quick review. Last week I laid out before you three goals. Let me just show you because we did a little iPad work last week as, a, as kind of as a whiteboard. Three goals. Goal number one is that we love God. Goal number two, we love our neighbor. And goal number three, we love ourselves. Comes right from Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so our goal in life is that we love God. We have a vertical relationship with our maker, our creator, our master. We have that vertical relationship. We have a horizontal relationship with our neighbor, people that we interact with, our bosses, our neighbors that we share a fence line with, people that we see at the store, humankind, that's our, 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 our neighbor. And then we learn to love ourselves. Now, that's the hard one sometimes. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we say, well, God gave us two things, love God and love our neighbor. And we miss that part about loving ourselves. I'm not talking about uh, a pride of self-love, like look at me, look how good I am. But you love yourself because you understand your identity of who you are in Christ and whose you are in Christ. That you understand that you're a rescued child of Jesus. That you understand that your sins are forgiven. That you understand that even though, you know, I have some hiccups and I have some hang-ups, the Lord still loves me. And because He loves me, I can love myself. And so that's an identity part of love. And so those are three goals. Now, we tend to pursue all kinds of goals in life, don't we? Sometimes we pursue school. I know that moms and dads put a lot of pressure on the teenagers and the junior high and high schoolers. You better get good grades. You got to get A's. You got to get B's. I want you going to college and succeed, succeed, succeed. I got to tell you, that's a waste of time and energy, mom and dad, if we haven't taught them. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Got to teach them that. Some of us are in college, some people here are in college, and you're pursuing a degree. I don't know what the degree is in, and it's a good thing to pursue a degree, but it's not a good thing if you raise the pursuit of that degree above loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself. For some, you're off in your careers, whatever it may be. Whether you are a trash collector or you're a teacher, whether you're a scientist or you're a doctor or, or you're working in the factory, whatever it is, it's all useless and meaningless if you're not pursuing loving God and loving neighbor and loving yourself, saying, that's my first goal. That's my first goal. Now, here's the challenge with this, of living out these goals. It's called life. Life happens. We talked about this last week, that life happens, and, and I call this the wheel of life because life continues to roll on and on and on and on. And there's a lot of similarities of things that we all deal with. Every single person in this room, part of life is dealing with finances or money, is it not? Do I have enough? Can I pay the next bill? Oh, God's blessed me with more. What do I do with that? Money's going to be part of our lives until the day we go to the grave, and that's part of the wheel of life. Job, or if you're a parent, Dealing with raising kids, parenting a child, um, relationships, health issues. Who knows what tomorrow brings when you go to the doctor or, or this week of the doctor appointment. Uh, someone this week went in the hospital. I was just talking to one of the family members for what was going to be a simple procedure. And now one thing went wrong and one thing went wrong. And now that person went in the hospital is going to be there for now a week already. You just never know because life 
throws its challenges at us. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how am I going to manage life? How am I going to do that? So we have two options, in my opinion, and what I understand Scripture tells us. We can manage life by me, myself, and I. We put myself right in the center of the wheel. I put myself in the center of the wheel, and I say, I'll manage life by my understanding of life. I'll do it by what my mom taught me, what my dad taught me, what my grandma did. Or I'll do the opposite of what they did. Because they messed up so bad, I'm not going to do what they did. And so I'm going to do it different than them. I'm going to do it by what my friend tells me. I'm going to listen to the the advice of popular opinion. I'm going to listen to the talk show. I'm going to pick up the magazine in the store. I'm going to read another book. I'm going to do it all by myself. We have that choice. And some of you in this room have tried that choice. Matter of fact, some of you have tried it, and we've had very personal conversations. You're like, I've tried that, Brian, for 30 or 40 years, and my way's not working. And so we have a second choice. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called allowing God to be in the middle of your life and the Holy Spirit does a work inside of you. And John 14 tells us the Holy Spirit is a teacher and a comforter and a counselor and a guide. And it says that he will teach us what? Just a few things, right? Teaches us all things. The scripture says the Spirit will teach us all things. Things. Teach us how to be a mom or dad. Teach us how to be a husband or wife. Teach us how to be an employee. Teach us how to be a boss. Teach us how to be kind. Teach us how to be a minister. Teach us how to, how to do ministry with the kids. Teach us how to live life. And he'll teach us all things. Not some things, but all things. And the way we learn to do that with this Holy Spirit is we learn to do exactly what Jesus did. And last week we talked about one word called walk. We learn to walk as Jesus walked. That's the call in 1 John 2, 6. I want, to see, I want you to see this verse again and see it a couple of different translations. We, we dug in on this verse last week. That 1 John 2, 6 says, The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. So the one who says, the one who says Jesus is my Savior... The one who says, I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, that he went to that cross and he was put in a grave and he rose again, and I believe that he died on that cross for me. When we say, I believe in that, and I put my faith in him, then the call of the gospel is that we walk as he walked. Look at the other translations. Whoever claims to live in him. Again, you call yourself a Christian must live as Jesus did. Another way to say it. We walk or we live. We look at his life and say the way he lived is the way I'm supposed to live. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. We live. We walk. We imitate. We do what he did. I don't know about you, but some parents will say, hey, do as I say, not as I do. You ever heard that before? Let's have confession. Who's ever said that before? We're all guilty, aren't we? Hey, do what I say. Don't don't do what I do. That's not what Jesus said to you and me. Jesus said, we look at his life, and we're to do what he did. That's a high call. And so if we're going to keep these goals before us, loving God and loving our neighbor and loving ourselves, and knowing that there's these challenges of life, we want the Holy Spirit to be inside of us and we want to walk in his power and his strength, then we have to look at what Jesus did. And that's what we're going on. We're going on this journey to look at what Jesus did. And then we say, if Jesus did that, that's what's being held up before me. That's the mirror. That's the standard. Don't look at what your preacher does. 
Don't look at what your friend does. Don't look at the people in your small group. That's not the standard to be measured by. Don't compare yourself and say, well, I'm a little bit better than Sally. You know, well, I'm not sinning as much as John. Well, I'm not as bad as. No, 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 no. That's not who we compare ourselves to. We look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, what did you do? And that's what I'm supposed to do. And as we learn how Jesus did that and how Jesus had a deep walk with his Father God, then we learn how to have that same kind of deep walk. And so that word power that we've named this series is actually an acronym. And so today I want to talk about that letter P. And I want us to look at how Jesus prayed. And church, I want to call us to be people who will pray like Jesus prayed. That's the call of the gospel. I like what Henry Blackaby wrote. He said, the life of Jesus provides the model for our prayer lives. God is seeking to mold us into the image of his son. If we are to act like Christ, our prayer lives must be conformed to his. Many Christians are unwilling to pay the price that Jesus paid when it comes to interceding with God. Jesus' prayers came with vehement cries and tears. And because of his godly fear, he was heard by the Father. I believe Jesus was a passionate man. He was passionate. He was passionate about the lost. That's why he said, seek and save the lost. That's why we see in Luke 15, the search for, for the lost coin and the lost son. And, and we see that search. He was passionate about the lost. That's why he was willing to go to the cross. He was passionate about life and death. He was passionate about prayer. And we're going to see that as we walk through some scriptures today to see the passion that Jesus had in prayer. Jesus wasn't lukewarm. He wasn't apathetic about prayer. He didn't see it as something extra to do. He saw it as his lifeblood. He saw it as a necessity. He was on fire and fervent about it. And I believe we must be too. We are living in a time in our culture, in this world, where we need Christians to get real serious about being people of prayer. Would you not agree? We need to be drawn back to our prayer closets. We need to be drawn back to our, our knees in prayer. And Jesus modeled this lifestyle of prayer. He prayed often. Look what Mark 1.35 says. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, if you get nothing out of this message, get this. Write this down on your guide. When did it say he got up very what? I'm going to say it again. Very what? Now, some of you morning sleepers, you're like, hold on, now you're stepping on my toes. I understand. There's a huge lesson right here for us, folks. There's a huge lesson as looking at the life of Christ. Now, I understand. I'm busy, Brian. I got to get the kids up. I got to get them to school. I got to get to work. I've got all this. And you're telling me very early in the morning? Nope, Jesus is demonstrating that for us. And we're to do as Jesus did. Now, very early, I, I don't know. I wish the scripture would have defined that. I wish they said very early, it was, you know, 4 a.m. or it was uh, 7 a.m. I don't know what early in the morning was for Jesus. Here's what I do know Jesus had a very pressure filled life. Jesus, about the time he got up after his prayer time, was surrounded by people. Jesus, come heal this person. Jesus, you need to be here. Jesus, let's go this way. Je Jesus, I need you. Jesus, preach this. Jesus, teach that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He was needed. And he knew, if I'm going to spend time with God, I've got to get up before everybody else gets up. Very early 
in the morning. May I suggest, church, if you want to go deep with God, it starts being very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. He said, but Brian, i got to be to work at 5 a.m. Yep, you do. Get up a little bit earlier. Brian, i got to get this done, this done, this done. Yep, you do. Get up a little bit earlier. i, I got to tell you, if you want God to be first in your life, then give Him the first part of your day. You want Him to be first, then the way you begin your day is the way you will live your day. And i got to tell you, in the last couple of years, my life has changed when I got real serious about this. And I put a table in my closet, cleared out some clothes, and put a chair in there. And I said, God, you want me up early in the morning? I'll meet you in that chair. And I'd sit in my booty there and go, God, what are we going to do? And we started talking. And there's days I get up, and I don't want to. And the God of the phone is calling me. And the idol of Facebook is calling me. And at the same time, God's going, put that down, Brian. Put that down, Brian. Put that down, Brian. Get your butt in that chair. And the days when I honor him first and I sit in that chair, and sometimes it's not with my Bible open, sometimes it's just sitting there and going, God, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm worn out, what? Sometimes it's just sitting there, there's even no conversation. But I meet him in that chair. Life has been changed in the last couple of years for me. God wants to meet you early in the morning. You get nothing out of this. I plead with you, church, change your schedule and get up early in the morning to meet God before anything else happens. I plead with you. Make it a priority. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus prayed in the desert and other lonely places. He often prayed all night long. He got away from everybody else and got away to areas all by himself to pray. His prayers were of such intensity and such focus at the end of his life that he even sweat great drops of blood when he prayed. That's how intense it was. Now, we may not sweat drops of blood, but we do know that sometimes... Prayer requires wrestling in the spirit with a passion and with a fervency that I just go deep with God. Jesus never gave up, and he doesn't want you and I to give up. That's why the verse this week in your bulletin, the tear off our memory verse, is Luke 18, 1, that says we should pray and we should never give up. We should be in a point that we say, I'm going to develop a prayer life, and I want to keep developing it because most of us should never ever say, I've ever I've arrived. Hopefully God keeps drawing you deeper and it's a more time of prayer. We read about the example of Jesus' passionate prayer life in Hebrews 5. It says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered up prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. I have to look at that verse and go, why did Jesus need to pray? You ever wonder that? I mean, Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, then why would he need to pray? Because when Jesus came down to earth, when God came to earth in the form of a man, he's now operating on this earth as a man, and he knows his strength comes from communicating with God as Father. And so he ties into prayer and says, God, you help me. God, you strengthen me. God, I need your wisdom. God, I cannot go through this life by myself. I need to stay close to the Father. And Luke's gospel is known as the gospel of prayer. You want to know how to grow in prayer? Read through the, the gospel of Luke and look at the life of Jesus. In this gospel, we see that whenever Jesus had to make a decision, he prayed. What kind of decision are you walking through right now? 
What kind of things are you wrestling with? You're like, I just got to pray. I got to seek God's face. I got to understand from him. He prayed before conflict with the Pharisees. Are you in a conflict? Are you in a trial? Is there a difficult thing going on in your life? You're like, I need some help. Well, he prayed before choosing the disciples and on the Mount of Transfiguration. What did he do? He went to the Father and said, Father, what do I do? He went to the Father and said, Father, help me out. Father, I'm not going to do this on my own. It's you and me and us together. And today, he's still praying for us. Think about that. Think about that. Jesus is praying for you and me. The prayers of Jesus were heard because he left it all to God. And in Hebrews 7, verse 25, the Bible tells us that Jesus is in heaven and he's praying and always, always lives to make intercession for us. You know what that means? I mean, he's up there talking to God and saying, God, hey, I want to speak on behalf of Sam today. God, can, can we talk about Sally? God, I, I got some things I got to tell you about Sally. God, hey, Susan, she has this stuff going on. Hey, God, that little child, Mikey, let me, let me oh, sorry. Let me talk to you about Mike. Let me, let me talk to you, God. They have stuff happening in their lives, and, and he's praying for us on our behalf, talking to the Father even to this day. See, when it comes to this idea of prayer, we're probably all over the place. There's some in this room in January 1, 2018, which it seems, does it, does it feel like we're already six months in the year? Does it feel that? We're only in February, and I, I feel like we should be like in July already. But January 1, 2018 turned, and some of you had a goal to say, I'm going to get better out praying. Some of you made that a priority, and that was on your list. I'm, this is going to be the year I'm going to get better about it. Others in this room, you probably are just struggling in prayer. Some of you are just like, man, it's just so hard. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. This whole time thing, it's just so difficult. Some in this room have just given up on the concept. You're like, yeah, okay, God knows what's going on in my life. God, do whatever you want to do. I'm moving on. Some of you are just all over the place. Some of you are on fire. Your prayer life is just deep. You are meeting God regularly, and He's directing everything you do. Let me tell you, the opposition... The evil one, he comes at us in spiritual warfare to discourage and to destroy and keep us from being people of prayer. He doesn't want you to do that. The enemy will try to stop prayer in every way he can because he fears a prayer of movement in your heart and in your mind and in this church and in churches in central Kentucky and churches in Kentucky and the churches in the United States. He fears a movement of prayer. This nation will be turned upside down again when Christians go back to being a praying nation. That's when things will change. So let me encourage you, don't give up. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Things will happen as you persevere. God delights in your prayers. Prayer is the most important thing you can do because after you have prayed, that's when fruit comes. And when you plant seeds of prayer, they start to grow. And when you pray God's word over your life and God's word over ministry you're involved in, God's word over your family and over your neighborhood and over your city, His word will not return void. Church, He wants us to be a people of prayer. Why did Jesus pray so passionately? Why? He knew his authority 
and his message came through prayer and through connecting with the Father, through the power of the Spirit. He knew as I talk to the Father, then that's where my power comes. Jesus always knew that he should withdraw and pray. He never became distracted by his work because he always knew that the power for his work came from God and more prayer equals more blessing and more power. And so prayer was a central focus of the life of Jesus as he's doing his ministry on this earth. He prayed passionately for himself and for others. No matter what you're calling his life, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what your career is, no matter what your position is in life, God wants us to have a deep, passionate prayer life with him. To walk in a new level of power and authority only comes as we develop a life of prayer. In the book, Experiencing God Day by Day, Blackaby writes these words, Throughout history, God has looked for those willing to yield everything to Him and His desire to redeem a world. At times, God has marveled that no one was willing to go with Him. The prophets seemed to grasp more than the common people. For while society carried on as though nothing were wrong, the prophets agonized and wept over what they knew God was preparing to do. If you are willing to be the person Jesus can take with Him into the most sacred moments, you will experience things only the angels shared with Jesus in the garden that night. And God has plans for us and dreams and desires that we will only discover in a quietness of prayer. Consider with me this morning the prayers of Jesus. I mean, we have several examples in Scripture of the passionate prayers of Jesus. His prayers glorified the Father and showed how deeply He wanted God's will to be done, even at great personal expense. His prayers demonstrated His deep love for us and His desire for our unity. Through His prayer, He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us to forgive. Imagine this. Heaven was open when Jesus prayed and His very appearance changed. Look at the Scripture in Luke 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter and John and James with him, so a little small group of friends, up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. His appearance changed in prayer. That ought to tell us something. You want some transformation to take place in your life? You want some change to happen in your life? It happens in prayer. And then in Luke 3... It says, and as he was praying, heaven was opened up. I would love to have been there on that mountain with Jesus. What did that look like? Heaven is opened up. You want know heaven opened up to you? It, it starts in the prayer closet. It starts in being a person of prayer. Think on this with me for a moment. I mean, look at these prayers from Jesus. You know this one in Matthew 6, as the disciples come, and then one disciple says, Lord, teach us how to pray. One. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so he says, this is how you pray. And he gives us that example. And then as you go throughout the Gospels, you can see some examples of how this is actually lived out in the life of Christ. In John 12, he says, glorify your name. He says, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. That's at the time when Jesus was kind of wrestling with God, going, I'm not sure if I really want to go to the cross. 
And he says, man, this is my purpose, though. I want to glorify you. I want to honor you. I want to do what you want done. And then John 17, he even asked and says, will you glorify me? After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. And he's asking, God, will you bless me? And as you bless me, then I'm going to bless you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I want my life to glorify you. And God, as I glorify you, will you glorify me? Because I want everything I do to point back to you. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, I want my life to glorify you. God, mean you honor me, I'll honor you. And it was a relationship togetherness of oneness john 17 jesus prays for believers and put all the verses up there but here's the summary i'll remain in the world no longer but they were still in the world and i'm coming to you holy father he says protect them by your name the name you gave me so that they may want be one as we are one he was praying for his disciples but he's also praying forward for you and me for those who believe god i'm praying for protection there's an example for us to follow Pray for protection over your spouse. Pray for protection over your children. Pray for protection over those you love. God, I ask for your protection. John 17, a prayer of unity. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He prays for Christians to be unified. Why is that? Because he knows that when we're unified, our message is strong. The message of Christ is strong. But when we're fighting and we're bickering and there's, and there's disunity, he knows that the message of the cross is weakened. And that's why it's so important that as the church, God's kingdom, that we, that we work in unity. And he prays, I pray that they be unified. Matthew 26 and Luke 22, it's a prayer of God's will. He says, going a little farther, farther he fell down with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as my will, but as you will. He's praying and saying, Lord, is there some other way than me going to that ugly cross? He's saying, God, I'm not sure if I really want to do that because I know the trial and the difficulty that I'm going to go through. He's saying, God, if there's another way for this cup to be taken, this torture to be taken away, will you take it away? He says, but if not... As he falls to his face, if not, I will do your will. When's the last time, church, that you got down on your hands and your knees and you were wrestling in prayer and you fell to your face and you said, God, I don't like what I'm going through right now. God, I don't like the pain and the suffering and the trial, the difficulty, what I'm in, but God, I want to be about your will. And if the pain and the suffering must continue, God, then I will continue in it because I want to glorify you. And as I walk through it, Lord, would you glorify me so that I glorify you so that your kingdom wins? When's the last time, church? When's the last time you just fall to your face before God and cry? That's what was happening. Jesus was crying out saying, I don't like this. But I'm in it. I'm going to do your will. Look at Luke 23. Father, forgive them. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. The people who are putting Jesus on the cross, he's like, God, please, just forgive them. God, wipe their sin away, is what he's saying. 
someone who's spoken ill will of you, someone who's demonstra demonstrated hatred toward you, someone who has stepped on you to climb up the corporate ladder above you, someone who has blasted you in the social media world, someone who has, who has just not treated you right. When's the last time you said, Lord, just forgive them. Just forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're actually doing it. Lord, just I, I want to forgive them. Lord, just forgive them. A prayer of forgiveness. Jesus' passion is that we would pray that we'd be passionate about prayer. Now, we just finished the NFL football season. Like it or not like it, I don't care where you stand on it. It's still a number one watched game in America last Sunday. And now we've moved into basketball season. A lot of people are fired up about college basketball. Have you ever noticed how passionate people get about their sports? watching football and we were observing last week as that game was so close and we were in a room with about 20 people and some were who were cheering and some were who were oohing and on and you know as the game is going on and, you, and you've been there probably where you're at a football game and the pass is made and the touchdown is scored and the stadium erupts with applause but the great play and the banners are waved or you're watching basketball and a team dunks or they throw the alley-oop and everybody explodes even sometimes the quiet introverted people all of a sudden bust out of their seats because they're so passionate about what happened. Unless you're cheering for Kentucky, that's not happening lately. Um, <clears throat> but, sorry. Boo. There's a passionate group of people that love basketball in this city, right? And beyond. We get real passionate about our sports, don't we? Some of you even come in on a Sunday, oh, Brian, man, your team did, my team did. You know, we have fun joking around with that and and everything, but our passion oozes out around sports. And some of you are like, I don't care about this sports thing one lick. You have your own passions. It may be a passion of cooking. It may be a passion of business. It may be a passion of sewing. It may be a passion of swimming or going to the lake or, or fishing. All of us have passions, things that we wake up for and go, oh, I can't wait for that to happen. For some, it's the golf. I can't wait tomorrow morning. I'll be on the tee at 7 a.m. We all have passions, things that we know we will jump up for, get out of bed for, pay extra money for, lose sleep for, things that we will do that we're passionate about. But what about our prayer lives? What do we do about that? I'm tired. I guarantee if someone called me this afternoon... And they said, Brian, I got tea time at 6 a.m. tomorrow, and it's going to be 70 degrees outside. I'm probably going to figure out make way that, make, to make that happen. <laughs> now, it's probably not going to be 60 degrees tomorrow, so probably no one's calling. I'd find a way to get out of bed. Some of you, you got a call today and said, hey, tomorrow's the big game. Can you take work off? we got a tickets. We're going to get there. We're going to drive seven hours. We're going to go to the game, and then we'll drive seven hours back. Many of you would drop everything. So I'm doing it. Ones of this week, I sent an email out and said, church, this week, 5 a.m., Wednesday morning, we're having a prayer meeting. Would you be here? Or would you say, eh, Brian, I'm sleeping in. Brian, I don't know about that. Man, that's awful early. See, if we had something in this world being offered, many times we'll do it. I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm, I'm meddling a little bit. I understand. Church, we've got to elevate what we're doing as a church in the area of prayer. Been going to visit some small groups. We've been talking about that, been praying about that. We're looking for some people who say, I want to help us elevate what we're doing in prayer. This city needs a church that's a praying church. 
Not to say that there's not some. I don't know. I'm not aware. But wouldn't it be great to be known as a church in our city that is known for being a praying church? We could be that church. But it takes people who says, I'm going to get passionate about it. Jesus was passionate about prayer. He wants us to be passionate about it. He wants us to be excited about it without reservation. He loves it when we earnestly seek Him, praying diligently to the end. He loves it when we believe that prayer puts us on the winning team. And just as the football player runs with all his might or the basketball player dunks the basketball with all of his energy, Jesus wants us to be that passionate about prayer that we need it. It's our lifeblood. He loves it when you and I earnestly seek Him and embrace a life of extravagant devotion to God. And if you want power, you want to go deeper with God, it begins with looking at the life of Jesus and going, Jesus had a strong prayer life. I will too. Time to make it our aim to have prayer as a high priority in our life. When you have made it your goal to make prayer part of your life, be mobilized in your church or mobilized in your city or mobilized in your home, then you have chosen a very wise ambition. So I'm going to lift it up that strongly. When you call upon God to teach you to pray as Jesus and his disciples did, then you are praying a wonderful, God-honoring prayer. Every day when you say yes to prayer, your father is going, I am so out of my child. And every day when you say yes, you increase your power through God the Father. Bow your heads with me. Father God, Jesus sets a very strong example for us. Lord, it's quite overwhelming to know that Jesus is God and while he was here on earth, he prayed sought you, Father God, for help and for wisdom and for direction. And now that he's even in heaven, he still prays, interceding for us. Lord, develop in us a passion to be a people of prayer. Develop in us a hunger to be a people of prayer. Lord, get us out of bed waking up thinking about praying not thinking about a phone or not thinking about the latest social media or what happened last night in the sports world and turn it on news, Lord. Remove all those distractions and, Lord, wake us early so that very early in the morning we begin our day with you and we begin it in prayer. Create a hunger in us. Father, we come to this time in our service of communion and today several of the prayer scriptures we saw is when Jesus was dealing with the journey to the cross. And he said, Lord, it's your will. Your will be done. And on that cross, Lord, he had us on his mind that he knew the death he was going to go through, the burial, the beating, the blood to be shed, the resurrection. He knew it was for our salvation. And so, Lord, we celebrate that Jesus in prayer found the strength to continue on the journey and honor the Father and do his will. And so, Lord, as we pick up these emblems today, we pick them up with a heart of gratitude and we say thank you. But we also, Lord, come in prayer to spend some time confessing sin. We come in prayer to repent of our wrongs. We come in prayer to embrace your forgiveness that is found at the cross. And so, Father, we honor you this day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.